What is good, my people? Welcome to Tough Love Talks with Alexis, where we say fuck fear. We stop sending invites to our pity party and get confident and clear on exactly what we want. If you want motivation and guidance on better habits, real consistency, failing forward, showing up exactly as you are, and the inspiration to make it happen, you are in the right place. No matter what phase of life you're in, I'm here to inspire you to make more money, less excuses, and say yes to everything. I'm your performance coach and what my friends like to call the queen of helping you get your shit together. This is a place for less information and more about getting a fire lit under your ass to take action and stop settling for good and go for great. I'm here to serve up some tough love. So get your big girl panties on because we're jumping in. Yo, what is good? I am so excited to have someone very special on the podcast. I, you've been listening to my podcast for the past year or so. I haven't had guests on yet. I've had some people, like some past clients, things like that. But Anna Zespa, did I say that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. She's my first invited guest on the pod. Um, I found out about her through, I was on a podcast called What's the Recipe? And she just, uh, I tried her, her, the, the kombucha hooch booch, which is amazing. Like it's just so, so good. I forget the exact flavor I tried. I think it was the one that was like a Paloma. Yeah. Lounge lizard. Yes. That was fire. And I tried it. Okay. This girl's rad. Also (laughs) businesses. We get it. We love all the stuff. So I was just like, Hey, come on the pod. Let's chat. So, um, welcome Anna to the tough love coach podcast. I'm happy to have you. Thanks. I didn't know I was your first invited guest. I feel honored. Thank you. Yeah, you should be. Um, I'm excited to chat more about like you and and you know what you do. So I have some questions for you, but obviously, kind of want to kick this off with you just sh- telling the people, the listeners, more about like you and what you do. You can kind of share a little bit about like you know what you do now with Hooch Booch and everything that you have going on. But I also want to know more about just like you and your story and like what brought you to today. Oh gosh. Okay. Here we go. Um, so I'm originally from Minnesota, grew up in the Midwest. Uh, I came out to Denver to go to the university of Denver, uh, for no other reason besides I liked being on campus when I went for a tour while we were visiting my mom's friend who lived in Boulder. Um, it was like a vibe, you know, kind of a gut feeling. Um, so I came out to the university of Denver. I studied hospitality management. I'm a big hospitality girly worked in hotels, restaurants. It's like my jam. Um, and then in the middle of the pandemic, I got furloughed from my job because hospitality was no longer happening. Um, I was a yoga teacher prior to that. I got my 200 hour certification post graduation from college. Um, and so I was teaching yoga kind of around town and then when I got furloughed from my job, I was like, I think I'm going to take a yoga, another yoga training. I think I'm going to do my, my 500 hour, another 300. So um, I did another round of training. And during that time, I got pretty into a meditation practice. Um, I mean, it was, I guess, kind of mandated for the training, but it was great. Um, and it was actually during a meditation that I came up with my idea for my business, which is mm. or was still is Hooch Booch, um, but we've kind of got an overarching name now. Um, and it was kind of this weird time. I was bored on the couch uh, and then also doing the yoga training that the mayor of Denver shut down all of our liquor stores here called the Denver Prohibition oh, um, back in 2020, um, like day three of COVID and people around the town were going nuts. And 
that was really the spark for the inspiration of the name. I was, you know, Googling prohibition, like what actually happened, found out that classic cocktails really came about during that time to mask bad flavors of hooch. Mm-hmm. You know, people were making it in their bathtubs. So they were like, Hey, let's put a little flavor in this and you know, it'll taste good. So the name hit me, hooch, like prohibition, alcohol, booch, like kombucha, couldn't get it out of my head. And I was like, I think I'm going to start this business um, for no other reason, no market research besides I just liked the name. Yeah. Um, and well, so yeah. I, I called my dad, who's a businessman, and I was like, hey, I got this idea. He was like, oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> told him the idea. And he actually owns a, a brew pub in Minnesota, kind of like a passion project with a couple of his buddies. And I was like, can I talk to your brewer? And he's like, yeah, but what about me? Um, so chatted with him about the idea. He's like, I have literally no idea what kombucha is. That sounds weird. Okay. Talked to his brewer and I, his brewer was like, I think you're onto something. I think you should do it. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. Um, and so I incorporated the business and just started to go from there. Um, so that's the, a little bit about the origin story. Um, and I still teach yoga to this day, but it was definitely the the catalyst in my meditation for the name. That's so rad. I love that. I love hearing stuff like that. Like even- It was so random. <laughs> yeah, but I love that shit. Like I, I know whenever I like a band, especially did this when I was younger, if I liked a band growing up, I've always like looked up like where they got their name from. So like, I like that you told the story about that, which is so funny as well, because I was a history major and I literally did my mm. 25 page- thesis my senior year like on prohibition so like I everything that you're sharing oh my gosh. yes like I know everything Can you send it to me? oh I have no idea where that is like if I could I would but that was so long I graduated in 2012 so it's been a been a minute but I love that that was you you got the name in meditation I'm curious for you like growing up were you entrepreneurial minded like did you ever think that, and most people are like I never thought I'd be here did you do were you somebody who thought that you might do something like this or was that like fucking out of left field for you to like think of a business idea like that no I think it was like pretty on par I was okay. definitely the child that was like the lemonade stand the oh, yeah. I used to make like beaded bracelets necklaces and sell it like craft fairs like oh my gosh I kind of like elevated um yeah, I was always kind of doing funky, weird business ideas. And I think I'd always known maybe someday I would want to start my business. I had no idea it would be at 24 years old. Yeah. That's, oh, is that, how old are you now? 27 now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, that's so awesome. You're woman. Alcohol. Alcohol nonetheless. Weird yeah. idea. Whatever. <laughs> weird idea. Like we follow wherever our heart takes us. But I love that you were uh, already kind of like entrepreneurial minded. Uh, my, my podcast isn't only about ADHD, of course, but a lot, we talk a lot about that. Do you have ADHD or do you think you do? Or I know everybody's different. No, uh, I don't think I do. Uh, but I actually listened to, well, I listened to Amanda and Lucas's podcast that you were on talking about it. And my boyfriend has ADHD and I feel like it helped me understand him um, a lot better. Yeah, it's it's, so. it's definitely helpful. Like we all have somebody with ADHD in our life, right? The only reason I'm asking is because of a, a similar quality of people with ADHD typically are like, we are the entrepreneurs. Doesn't mean you have to have ADHD to be an entrepreneur, but we <laughs> tend to be the entrepreneurial creative spirits. And so I, I think it's interesting that like, that's kind of like, you know, where, where you were headed anyway. So I know you talked about the you got the idea in meditation and whatnot, but I'm curious if you could 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 oh my gosh, could contribute one thing to getting Hooch Booch off the ground. Not necessarily the idea, but like once, like it really started to become like a thing. Is there anything you can contribute, whether it was like 
a person, a conversation, like anything that you were like, okay, this really was like the thing that got this off the ground? Um, so my friend's a graphic designer um, and she was still in college at the time and she had done like incredible work. The program that she was in was like a co-op program. So they would do like one semester of work experience, one semester of school. So she had had like, she'd compiled like five years of like a really impressive resume. Like she had worked in London, et cetera. And I was like, I think I want to do this pretty scrappy. I don't want to like raise a ton of money and, you know, pay an agency $80,000 to do my labels. Mm -hmm. So I called up Anne Marie and I was like, Hey, um, I'm starting this hard kombucha company. Here's my inspiration. Can you design my labels? Um, and she spit out what is currently our packaging. And I think it's super rad and badass. And, um, yeah, I feel like she was really instrumental just because I feel like packaging is kind of everything these days. Mm. Um, and I feel like had I not had her and had to go to some agency, I probably would have been out of money at this point. And I feel like, you know, packaging sells. So most definitely her. Um, and then, I mean, going back to my dad, I would probably also say him like along the way, he was like, you should set up a legal entity. You mm. should contact a lawyer about selling alcohol. Um, you know, kind of those like dadisms, if you will. Um, I feel like he got me to do things by the book and, you know, lent business advice and still does to this day. Yeah, that's rad. And I, packaging does sell. I'm like, you know, those, what do they call them? Like the quick buys at like the register, like those things. Oh, I'm a sucker. Are, oh, like at wall or not Walgreens. Um, well, Walgreens <laughs> has it too, but uh, like Marshall's, like if something has cute packaging, like it's going to catch my eye. So it's like definitely a thing. It's important. Yeah. It's important. So yeah. I'm curious too with this. And I, and I like talking about this cause I work, I don't only work with entrepreneurs, but I do work with a bunch that are just trying to get things off the ground. And I do work with a lot of coaches and done for you services, but there are people that follow me or that I work with that do have product-based businesses. And I think for a lot of people, like just the idea of like, what do I do to like start this? Like there's so many things that go into it. You know what I mean? What is mm -hmm. your advice? Cause I'm sure there's not one, there's a million ways to be successful. I say this all the time, but like, what would be your advice to someone who's thinking about like starting any idea, whether it's product-based or not to like get things rolling on, like making something go from like an idea you had in meditation to like being a physical product that it, people are actually buying. I think you have to ask a lot of questions. Okay. Um, like for me, I was like going to, uh, brewer webinars in the middle of COVID and, you know, picking their brains on how this product might be able to be done. I was uh, going sitting at breweries, just like picking people's brains. I was LinkedIn messaging people that had done something similar before and asking them, how the heck did you go about that? Um, and I think most people are pre pretty willing to lend advice, especially if you're like, hey, can I buy you a coffee? Right. This was in the middle of COVID. So I was like, hey, can I see your face on Zoom? Um, <laughs> But I think most everyone was like very willing. And I feel like that was kind of the way that I started to piecemeal everything together to like, oh, I don't know this. Let me go to my person who knows something a little bit about this. So, hey, I don't know this. Let me ask that person and kind of creating this network of people that, and I still to this day think that that's the most important part, like other founder friends in the beverage space that I'm like, hey, have you guys ever seen this question from a distributor for like, how do you respond to it? So I mean, it's really important. Yeah. So it sounds to me, and I love that you're talking about this because it's just hits a nail on the head of the stuff that I talk about. It sounds like you were taking action and not waiting for things to like come to you and like doing uncomfortable, oh. things, right? Yeah. yeah, no, no. I mean, like I literally walked into a brewery and was like, Hey, are you the owner? And he was like, yeah, I am. And I was like, I'm starting a hard kombucha company. Um, I need help from a brewer to, to create recipes. Can you help me? He was like, what? 
um, sure, come back in two days, I guess, and we could talk about it, like show me your business ideas. But I think, yeah, you have to be action oriented for sure. Yeah. Did you have fear when doing that? Like, cause some people, if they're, cause I, I, whenever I talk to people or I talk about something, I always, my brain just works like hearing what people who have resistance are saying. And I can already hear people being like, you know, yeah, well that, that scares me. Or what if, what if I get denied or what if I get rejected? Like, did you have fear doing that? Or were you kind of like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to show up and do it anyway. I feel like I had nothing to lose at that point. Like I was on unemployment. I was like bored on the couch. Like I, I felt like no, like what, what's the, I always say like, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Mm -hmm. Someone says no. And then you just kind of say on to the next, like I emailed 40 brewers, one responded and said, no, I was like, all right, I guess I got to take to the streets. You know, I think people are afraid of confrontation. Mm -hmm. And I think just like walking in, seeing someone face to face, like if someone walked into our tap room right now and was like, Hey, I'm starting an an alcohol business. Can you help me? I'd be like, have a seat. Let's chat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, but if they email me, I'm like, yeah, I think we assume no, but... that like everybody's going to reject us or whatever. And there's a lot of things attached to that, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's interesting that you're saying like, you know, you, where you were, you were you know getting unemployment, you were bored on the couch. I talk about this a lot, but I feel like whether somebody is going to start a business or they're already in it and they're not where they want to be or they haven't gotten things off the ground, I think people are, aren't uncomfortable enough to take the action that they need. If you kind of have like this plan B or like, oh, well, this other thing could like work out. But if you're in a situation where like you don't really have any other options or in the sense of just being like bored and you're like, I don't have anything else, right. it makes you uncomfortable enough to be like, okay, I'm going to do the things. And so I tell people consistently to, you got to put yourself in situations where you are uncomfortable enough in order to take the action that you actually need to take. So I love that you're talking about that. And I also love that you're kind of pointing to the fact about like not doing it alone. I work with a lot of people with ADHD and we love to be the loners and like, nobody help me (laughs) on my own. I do not think, especially a product-based business, you can get it off the ground and just try to like do everything on your own. Like you need to be able to connect with people and have conversations and get out there. And it sounds like that's, you know, what you did. Yeah. And I feel like being a solo entrepreneur is a very lonely place to be. And so I think you have to, find other people that you can lean on. And for me, it's like other founders that are probably walking the same walk and, you know, we can celebrate over the same wins and we can also, you know, talk about our stresses that are, you know, just right there in our faces and kind of have like a therapy session together. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's always people that are going to know more than you. So you might as well use them and use them to your advantage. Exactly. And there's nothing like weak about that. And I think that's a beautiful thing about being an entrepreneur. And I've found that in my experience too, most people, unless they're like a dick, which sorry that you're like this, but (laughs) I'm calling you out, but like most entrepreneurs know what it's like to get a business off the ground. And when I know when I see somebody else that has that entrepreneurial spirit, I'm like, hell yeah. Like this is so rad. Like the girl that does my brows, she's been working at this, uh, like working in a place with, with uh, people like working for someone and she's finally going off on her own. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. So I think entrepreneurs do want to help other people Mm -hmm. in the industry. So you might be surprised at like how much support you can get by just reaching out, sending a DM, having a conversation, walking into somewhere. Like, I think people don't realize how much people do want to help, you know? So I love that. Um, So something I say a lot on this podcast often is successful people have honest conversations with themselves. So I'm curious, like, do you, can you think of a time in this business entrepreneurial journey or just in life, doesn't even have to be related to your business 
where you needed to have a tough love conversation with yourself, or maybe somebody gave you some tough love or you had an honest conversation that like, kind of like was lit a fire under your ass type thing. Yes. I feel like I've got a couple of mentors in the space. Um, and usually they're the most uncomfortable conversations because they've kind of walked the walk before and are like reading the writing on the wall. Because I think entrepreneurs also are kind of the eternal optimist as well. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, but like just in the next couple of weeks, I'll be getting these sales or like, (laughs) this is going to come in. It's going to hit. And I think that's what makes entrepreneurship so special, right? Is Mm -hmm. we're visionaries and we're, we're forward thinking and we, we have to be a little bit optimistic. Um, but recently a mentor was like, Hey, so I, I was thinking about the conversation we had and we were chatting a little bit about the alcohol industry and, you know, some issues that we're having expanding because of state by state regulations. Um, and then we recently came out with a non-alcoholic line that actually launches in like a week or two. Um, and he was like, you know, I'm thinking about it, you know, you've got really scarce resources, you've got a small team. Um, you know, do you, do you put all your eggs in one basket? Do you slowly kind of like phase out one while you're beefing up another, like, here's the data I'm seeing. Here's what I think you should do. And then I was like, Hey, can we get on the phone and chat about this? And I was like, here's my two cents. I think this is what's happening. And he's like, hold on a second. I think you should do this. He's like, this is just my two cents, but I just want to show you like what the data is saying so that, you know, he's like, I've been thinking about you a lot. So we get on the phone and I'm like, Hey, um, hear everything that you're saying. You know, I can feel that, you know, in my bones, I feel, I feel what you're saying. And I feel like it's so much harder said than done to be like, oh, let me close down this one business to let another one survive and thrive. Um, So it's still kind of like an internal battle that I feel like I'm having of like, that I don't want to let this baby go while doing something else, but also acknowledging that it might be necessary for growth. Yeah. And that's, I think that's like the hard thing that, that can happen for whether you're an entrepreneur or not, but like when you have those conversations and it's like something that either you know you needed to hear or you didn't even realize it, but now you hear it and you're like, oh shit, I probably should have been thinking of that. And like, I think it can sometimes, it's going to either going to make or break you. Like you're either going to be like, oh, this is the worst. Now I have to figure this out. And then you end up in a spiral or you go, okay, I can feel that way. And then I need to be proactive. I need to like get into problem solving mode or like shifting perspectives. And I think that's what sets successful people apart from not successful people is like, are you going to let it crush you? Or are you going to just pivot? That's all you can do is pivot. Totally. Yeah. Something my dad always says too, is like, and he said this at the very, in the very beginning days, he was like, you know, Anna being an entrepreneur is hard. It's always going to cost more money and it's always going to take more time than you're ever prepared for. Um, and I was like, yeah, 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 I got this. It'll be quick. Um, and I think it's a constant reminder. And actually one thing that I had posted, um, one of like the lessons, one of the weeks in the 300 hour yoga training was trust the process. And I had written it down on a sheet of paper and I stuck it up on, on my mirror in my bathroom because I think when I got furloughed from my job, you know, two years after graduation, it felt really debilitating. And I was like, what? I have this career that I'm working towards. And, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm building all of this up. And it was just, you know, the industry became obsolete overnight at that time. And that's when I decided to do the yoga training. And that's when the idea for my business started to bloom. And so I feel like I still keep that little tidbit in the back of my mind. That's like, even if it's a setback, it might be just like a rerouting or it might be like just something different, but to acknowledge that and notice it, I think is a lot better than suppressing it and not bringing it to light. Like, I feel like oftentimes I'll even bring these types of things up in meetings with our team. Hey, I talked to a mentor about this. What does everyone think about this? Are we, are we hearing this out in the market? Like, let's talk about the elephant in the room a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of one of my favorite quotes is the obstacles are just detours in the right direction. 
and mm. like, have that mindset like nothing can really like you're allowed to be upset by things but nothing can really crush you because like at the end of the day everything is figure outable it might suck oh i say that all the time it. yeah I'm like, just yeah. ask the question just ask someone someone yeah. knows the answer Yes, 100%. I I love that you, it sounds like you're someone who's not afraid to like get help or like get support, you know? And I think so many of my clients or people that listen to this podcast, like struggle with that in different ways of like being afraid to ask for support or like they feel like they're needy or they feel like they should again, do it on their own. So I love that that like seems to be a common theme for you. Um, so going to like a little, talking a little bit about like the product itself, um, which mm-hmm. again, so cool. And I, you did mention the packaging, the packaging does look so dope. Like it feels like, is Thanks. it supposed to be kind of like, like, it feels like almost speak easy vibe yeah. in a way. Is that like supposed to be the vibe? So yeah, the inspiration that we took for Hooch Booch was like old apothecary bottles yes, mixed yes. with 1920s Art Deco. I was like, I don't want Gatsby, like black and gold. Like, I don't want that. That feels like a little bit kitschy. Yeah. Um, but I feel like our designer hit the nail on the head oh, yeah, with the so, inspo. It's so good. I love <laughs> it. But, so what do you feel makes Hooch Booch like stand out? in the giant world because kombucha is like big now like you know yeah day there was like three brands like gts and that's it like what makes Mm -hmm. huge boots like stand out in the big kombucha world um i would say first things first our classic cocktail approach to hard kombucha Mm -hmm. i think a lot of other brands i would say every other brand um takes a non-alcoholic kombucha flavor and makes it alcoholic which is cool that's fine a lot of them are are great products and you know they've grown to be quite sizable um, I think especially with the cocktail craze that's going on right now, I think that's where we have a really competitive advantage. And because kombucha is still very much a niche category, placing flavor names like an old fashioned allow people to maybe be drawn into the category that wouldn't otherwise like, Ooh, I'm a little bit scared to try hard kombucha, but it says old fashioned and old fashions, like the comforting drink that I like to go to. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll reach for that. So I think that's definitely our competitive edge. Huh. And then I would say our flavor um, and the taste profile. I think it's, it's actually pretty easy to make a bad product, like very easy <laughs> sure. to make a bad product. <laughs> um, and our brewers, so we contract produce, which means we outsource our brewing. Mm-hmm. Um, and our brewers have been doing non-alcoholic kombucha since 2002. So they've kind of pioneered this really big surge of kombucha. Um, they only package for other brands. They don't have their own brand. Um, and they are thought leaders in the space and they do everything very small batch on a big scale. And because they have a lot of brands, they're able to do it in, that, in such a way. Um, the brewing facility is insane, but I think that's really where we win is like when people are tasting the product, they're like, oh, this is kombucha that tastes good. Oh, this is a hard kombucha that I actually like to drink. And then that creates a repeat customer because I think packaging pulls it off the shelf. But if you don't have a good product, no one's going to buy it again. And they'll, they will remember that and they will tell their friends. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We, <laughs> I forget where I was, but I don't really drink like seltzers that much. Um, I just, I just don't, don't like them. But um, we had one when I was in the mountains with my friends and I was like, this, there's no way that they made this. Someone tasted it and said, this is a product and put it on the shelves. It was so bad. And like, we were talking to everybody and then we had like more friends come down and we were like, we were like, try this, like taste how gross it is. Like it <laughs> was how bad not- it is. Yeah. So like, and I remember, I remember that when I tried the um the like the lounge lizard one or whatever yeah. like I was like man this just tastes good it's not just like oh it's like a you know just another kombucha because like 
you know, kombucha to kombucha, they, you know, pretty much taste the same, but I, I like that. And I do love that. Like you have those cocktail names. Cause what you're saying, like getting, getting people to even like try kombucha. I think they're like kind of weirded out by it or they've tried it before. And they're like, it tastes like feet or something. Yeah. And I feel like oh, yeah. yours doesn't, doesn't have that like vibe. I feel like it's very welcoming for like a new kombucha oh, drinker. Thank you. you know? So I love that. We try to be. Yeah. try to be. I know. And I'm excited to try the other flavors. I like, ever since I tried that mm-hmm. one, I'm like, I need, where do you, where do you currently, um, like have like sell? So we sell in whole foods. We sell in target. We sell in natural grocers. We sell in sprouts and then a lot of local liquor stores, bars, okay. restaurants. We've got a store locator on our website that has okay, spots. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Are you just currently in, um, like locally or are you, where are you in terms of over so we sell um oh and then i should also mention our top room so you can get any of our flavors here um but we also sell in minnesota where i'm from and those are our two states um we are looking to expand but as i mentioned you know state by state is very difficult and um you can ship wine direct to consumer and you can ship spirits direct to consumer but you can't ship a beer product direct to consumer it's like a very big disadvantage of the beer category um whenever i say that people are like what yeah, but then they think about it and I'm like, have you ever ordered beer online? And they're like, no. And yeah. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I wonder why, is there like a specific reason why? Um, maybe you found out in your research back in the prohibition days. I don't know. Some laws, some laws that were literally created back in prohibition. Um, I think spirits and wine have a lot more money than the beer industry does. And mm. so I think they're just able to create legislation that kind of yeah. kicks beer out. I don't know. Maybe it's because it's a lower lower cost I have no idea really truly why yeah well anyway um so another thing we love talking about on this podcast is about failing forward a huge huge thing uh and so I'm curious like what is a way that you've failed in your past that you are comfortable sharing Mm, like daily Uh, (laughs) I know right (laughs) um yeah, I guess Amanda asked a similar question. I and I was just speaking at a class at DU and it reminded me of this very same question. Um, when I took my freshman year business class, the, the professor was like, hey, so um, your first round of investment, you should always go to the three Fs, friends, family, fools. Um, and I think the very opposite rings true for employees. Um, I hired a really close friend and we're not close anymore or pretty much no longer friends because of the business. Um, And so I think I've made a commitment to myself now to just like never do that. It's just not worth any, it it was, it ended very badly. Um, And so it's just not worth it anymore. So I feel like that's definitely a time failing forward and kind of taking those learnings and moving forward. Um, Yeah. I think that's the biggest one that I can think of, but I mean, every single day I'm like, could have done that differently or like should have done that differently um but I feel like they become so frequent that it's just kind of like that's a learning and then uh pivoting quickly I think is important right like taking the learning moving forward yeah I think people are just so afraid to fail especially when it comes to like a side hustle a business like getting some kind of project off the ground we are so desperately avoiding failure and I say this all the time The master has failed more times than the student has ever even tried and success leaves clues. And so the most successful people are failing 10 times more than anybody who's just like trying to avoid it. And so it's like, yes, failing can suck, 
But if you just shift your perspective from like, okay, what can I learn from this? Like failure is just data and that's all it ever, you know, has to be. But I also agree not make, I think that's like a split the room question, um, like mixing friends with business. I, I agree. I, I think it's just easier to stay away from it. Like I have lots of friends I really like, and I might do some like collaboratory things, but nothing that's yeah. like long-term thing, nothing against friends. It's just like let's just not, you know, so I, I agree. well, and it's hard too in a small business because I feel like employees do become friends. And so it's like creating that, I guess, somewhat boundary, I think is, uh, I guess another failure of mine. I like want to love on everyone and be everyone's friend it just doesn't work or bode well, um, for business. Yeah. I feel that. Um, so is, uh, cause we, what we talk about a lot on my podcast is like a big theme is like just failing forward and things that we're struggling with. Uh, a big reason why people follow my page is because I talk about the real raw authentic things and not that I'm not yeah. doing it, but there's so much curated stuff on social media and oh, yeah. it's, we don't, we know that people are struggling, but like, we don't see it. So I'm curious if there's again, anything that you're comfortable sharing that you're currently like struggling with, whether it be, it doesn't have to be like something super deep, but something that you're working through day to day, whether it be personal, something in your business that like is a roadblock that you're working through, like anything that, you know, comes to mind. So people know that you're a real human being. <laughs> yeah. I never struggle. Uh, <laughs> never, no, um, no, never. Perfect. <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing for us right now is we're kind of at an inflection point as we're starting to scale the business, right? Two and a half years in, um, looking to expand outside of the state, looking on bringing another product line in, or we are bringing another non-elk product line in. Um, and the question is like expanding fast by pumping money into the business, which means taking on outside investors or growing sustainably from within. Um, and I think it's a constant battle that I have. I own a hundred percent of the business right now. Um, and I feel really protective over that. And I think it's something that I'm working through to be like, it's okay to give up control somewhat, yeah. but not fully too much. And I think I'm really protective about who comes in and who that person might be. And so I think because of that, I really struggle reaching out to investors. I don't want to have the conversation mostly because a couple of times I've gotten on the phone with them and they, all they want to do is tell me how to run my business. Yeah which I guess is part of the point of bringing in someone. Yeah, but if they so don't hard. have the experience to lean on, I'm like, what qualifies you to tell me what I should be doing? Yeah, Like, I'm like, Joe Schmo, so what that you're rich, but like, why are you telling me how to run a beverage brand, you know? And then I come back and I'm like, but I really could use the money. Um, so it's kind of this like internal battle that I'm constantly having. And I think it would be all about finding someone that's aligned, but I think that takes a lot of time. In time that I'm like, should I be spending that on just growing my business sustainably right now and focusing all my effort on sales? Because that, that's going to drive more money for the business. Mm -hmm. Or do I ultimately say, hey, no matter what, we're going to need more money. Let's go out and raise some money. Yeah. So it sounds like it's just like one of those things that not a uh, constant battle wouldn't be the word, but like uh, trying to figure out like what, what is best, which again, is one of those things that you're going to consistently run into at every yeah. level as an entrepreneur and in your business. And another thing I think people don't start something and want to, because they want to avoid situations like that. Like, well, what if this comes up? And it's like, it's going to, and you have to fully mm -hmm. accept that. And then you'll manage it. And a year from now, you'll look back at it and be like, oh, 
no biggie. Now I have way bigger problems, which we want to, we want to have new level, new devil. Right. So I love that. Definitely. Okay. Oh, I love that new, new, level, uh, like, new devil. Yeah. I, everybody always like, I always, I feel like I have been saying, I didn't coin it. I've been saying that. that for forever. And every time I say it, it's like, no one's ever heard it before. And I'm like, did I make that up? I know I heard it from somewhere. You should own that. You should should trademark that. I'll I'll trademark it. Yeah, it's like I tell my clients, like if you come to me and on each call, we're talking about the same shit, that Mm -hmm. means that you haven't been moving forward. I want you to come with me with new problems because that means that you did something and you you solved one problem and created five more, which is a good thing because then there's more things, you know, to, to solve. So yeah, new level, new devil. I love that. Okay, last question for you is- what piece, what one piece of advice, if you could give one to a new entrepreneur, product-based business or any business, doesn't matter, just new entrepreneur that you wish that you had when you started? I know this is a common question, but I always love hearing this from people because somebody needs like the one thing, you know? So what would that be? Yeah. I feel like we've touched on a couple of points that I usually go to for this question, which is like, you know, trust the process and like there are going to be setbacks throughout. Um, it can be the same thing if you don't. I feel like, well, I feel like it's it. kind of just like, start now, like start now. Mm-hmm. I feel like people come to me all the time and I feel like we've already touched on this a little bit, but they're like, oh, like I, I, I can't leave my corporate job. I, I, and I think we come up, you know, we as humans are very good at coming up with excuses for why not instead of why to yeah. do something. Um, and so I think just like start now, even if it's small, like create it to be a little bit of a side hustle. Like I think if I were to go back and I was still working my corporate job and I had had this idea, like create time in the day, like dedicate your Saturday to like working on it, go to a coffee shop and kind of romanticize what it looks like to work on the business. Um, and then slowly, you know, let it scale from there. Cause I, I, I think I'm in a little bit of a tricky situation. Cause I was not tricky, um, special situation. Cause I was, you know, furloughed from my job, kind of like a little bit forced into the thought process and the uncomfortability. Um, and I definitely acknowledge, you know, if you're working a nine to five or whatever that looks like, it can be difficult. Um, but I think just start now. And if it, and if you fail, just try again, <laughs> try something different, reroute. Like, I think there's constant things in my business that I've been like, yeah, that didn't work. Or like, oh, we fell flat on our face there. Let's kind of just start fresh. And I, and I think a lot of people now are so willing to, acknowledge those things i mean to your point like that's what you're doing on your social media page i think people love that people thrive on that like you talk about that on a tiktok page and you're like viral tomorrow um yeah start now just start now hell yeah i'm all about that like action breeds confidence not the other way around like we just gotta take the action hell yes well cool well yeah thank you so much for for sharing oh yeah i love i love your vibe you're a badass um if you can tell people like where obviously they know they've heard a little bit like where to find your product but you know if people can find you like what are the social media um like what are the names handles so drink Drink Hooch Booch is our hard kombucha line. And then we've recently separated out the pages and we've got two separate uh, social medias and websites. And then Drink Corpse Reviver is our non-elk hydration libation. So Drink Corpse Reviver and Drink Hooch Booch website, Instagram, TikTok, all the places. Cool. What did you, wait, what was it? Hydration libation. Hydration libation. Ooh, I love that. That's fire. Cool. Okay. Hell yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much, Anna. I appreciate you so much. And everybody listening, go check her out. Go check out Hooch Booch if you live in the area in Colorado or was it Minnesota? Yeah. 
Yeah, go check it out there. I'm sending everybody mad love. XOXO, your tough love coach. Peace out. Thank you so much for being a part of this little community that I am so passionate about growing. If you vibe with what we are doing here over on the Tough Love Coach podcast, I'd love to invite you to join us in the TLC, which is my Tough Love Collective. The goal of my process, my business, my Instagram, and my podcast is to help people with accountability, routines, habits, consistency, discipline, and showing up without fear and full authenticity. So with my Tough Love Collective, I wanted to create an environment for those who want accountability to help them take action on their goals, create unwavering consistency and high respected levels of discipline. It's less about more information and more about the accountability to increase task initiation and self-motivation to take that action. We have two calls a month, one training and live coaching, an ongoing Instagram group chat for support, and we even have three weekly focus hours on Zoom where you can body double with me to get accountability on whatever you need to get done, whether that's working out, working, reading, running your business, whatever it is, but I'm here to hold space for you. You already know what to do. You have so much information to get there. Why don't you join a community built to help hold you accountable to actually implement it all? Check the show notes to learn how to be a part of the family. Lastly, here's your reminder to give the podcast a five-star review on Spotify or even better, a written review on Apple Podcasts. As I'm sure you've heard, it helps out the pod so much and I appreciate it more than you know. I love you so much. Sending all my love. Peace out.